Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you brought your Bibles to church, I want you to open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, as you turn there, we're going to be in verses 15 uh, through 19 this morning. And I just want to share some thoughts with you concerning the season that we're in. And of course, we, we bring uh, a big hello from a sister church in Los Angeles. I don't know if you guys can hear, there's some ringing up here, just in case you guys are in need of adjusting that. And for those of you that are watching online, we're so grateful that you've taken the time while you're navigating the trip to fend overdose from those turkeys, which I would have to disagree with, um, Greg, because turkey is like, like when it's done right, it's like the best part of the meal and everything else just adds uh, to that. So I'd have to disagree with you just a little bit. And my, my wife is Cuban. I don't know if we got any Cubans in the house, but my, my wife uh, not only does a turkey, but she also does something called lechon uh, for Thanksgiving. And, and so we have a kind of like a Spanish treat that goes along with that. But as we get into the word of the Lord this morning, um, how many know that distractions can cause you a lot more pain and grief um, that you're willing to accept in life? Um, for those of you that may or may not know, I'm, uh, before I was a full-time pastor, I was a master transmission mechanic and technician. I owned my own business in Hollywood, California, and I've ran a number of uh, transmission facilities across Southern California. And so when it comes to automotive repair, um, I'm pretty savvy when it comes to transmissions and uh, with engines and brake systems and things of that nature. And uh, not too long ago, uh, I was going through a what I would consider a pretty difficult time navigating some very difficult issues in our church and some of the things that were happening happening with some of the families in our church and uh, I just got consumed and I got distracted and it was one of those days where uh, your phone's just ringing off the hook text messages are coming through emails are going through it's like there are fires everywhere and as a pastor you want to do your best to try to help people navigate those situations and I just found myself distracted and as I was driving my truck, I have a, a, an older model Chevy Silverado diesel uh, truck, and uh, I, I saw that I was low on oil. Now, I'm one of those guys that doesn't allow, I'm sorry, low on fluid. I'm one of those guys that doesn't allow the gas tank to get under a quarter of a tank. <laughs> I, I know most wives think that it's not until the little light comes on that you're supposed to put gas in your vehicle, but... I've tried to train up my, my wife and my daughter to, if it gets to a quarter of a tank, you fill it. That, that's how you keep your car running good. And, uh, well, I got to that place where it was just a, right under a quarter of a tank, and I, I pulled in, and I'm text messaging, and I'm, I'm doing everything that I should be doing in order to help some of the people that God has called me to steward over. And I remember um, putting the, 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 the nozzle into the truck and walking away and just getting on the phone and calling. And I was just really distracted by this intense conversation that I was having with the family from my church. And as I was on my way home, not even 15 blocks later, my truck started to sputter. And the next thing you know, um, it shut off. Now, my truck is 
been well taken care of, has been well maintained. Uh, I look after it pretty good. And um, so it shut off, and I didn't understand why it shut off. I, I have a little computer monitor. I plugged it in, didn't read any codes, didn't tell me anything that was wrong. And I just sat there for about an hour processing what could have gone wrong. I started checking everything out. And then uh, I called AAA, and AAA took three and a half hours to pick me up. Premium service, by the way. Um, three blocks from my house. And so I stayed there, waited for them to pick up the truck. And um, they sent me a tow truck that wasn't big enough to pull my truck. So I had to wait another hour and a half for them to send even a bigger tow truck to come and pick up my truck. And I was sitting there. I was just processing, like, everything. It's got everything it needs to function properly. Um, I just came from the gas station. I just filled it up. And then, like, the aha moment happened. Now, this is embarrassing for me. I'm going to be very vulnerable with all of you, and I hope that it all stays here. Um, I put regular gasoline in my diesel truck. (sighs) Yeah. It pains me to even say this. I know better. I know better. But I put regular gasoline in my diesel truck. And if you know anything about combustion systems, it doesn't work the same way. Um, You need the right fuel to power the diesel power plant that's in my truck. And I put in the wrong fuel because I was distracted. I was distracted by things that needed to be attended to. I was distracted by things that meant a lot to me. I was distracted by things that needed my undivided attention. But in that moment... I was distracted to such a degree that I made a really horrible mistake that could have cost me more than what I was willing to spend. Now, my truck was picked up and it was taken to the dealer. And sure enough, before that happened, I popped open the gas tank. I smelled it. And just by the smell of the gas, I knew that I messed up, that I messed up. I had a full tank of regular gasoline in a diesel-powered truck. And if you know anything about that, that bill can go up to $10,000 because of all the glow plugs and everything that goes into repairing that. Thankfully, my daughter works at the Chevy dealership. I was able to get the truck sent in, and it didn't cost me 10% of that. Um, I was able to catch it just in time to salvage what could have been a really terrible moment in my life because I love my Chevy diesel truck. But isn't that life sometimes? That you can get so distracted by the right things that you approach them in the wrong way, that you find out later that you've probably allowed some things to fill your spiritual tank that doesn't belong there, thereby causing you some more damage and unnecessary grief. And I think this is a lot um, like life today. We get caught up in life circumstances and life situations and life issues. And sometimes we get so distracted that we don't seem to acknowledge that we're doing some things wrong to fill our tanks uh, with the wrong source to fuel the kind of life that God has called us to live. I want to look at this morning living a life full of joy full 
of joy. Because when you think about joy, it's so unfortunate today that there are people that go to church, who serve on teams, who worship Jesus, who know their Bible, but for whatever reason are still living in the outer courts of his transformational love and presence. And could it be that they're allowing distractions to fill them with the wrong source of fuel that they need to live the kind of life that God has called them to live? Now, don't be misled. Living in a realm of proximity to Jesus is one thing, but not living to the fullness in Christ is another. Some are still living lives that are filled with things that are hurtful. Some are still living lives that are filled uh, with sin. Uh, Others are hateful. Some are fearful. Some are scornful. Some are living with regretfulness, vengefulness, maybe even spitefulness. But I believe that God wants us to live a life of thankfulness, by being faithful, by being fruitful, by being cheerful, by being powerful. Come on, am I talking to anybody? By being merciful, by living grateful lives in Christ Jesus. You see, in order to live the kind of life that God has called us to live, we got to fuel ourselves with the right source of fuel. And a lot of times what happens in Christian lives is that We tend to get caught up in the doing. We get caught up in the pursuing of what God has for us. But a lot of times we don't stop to get a good refill of his presence, of his power, of his mercy, of his grace, and everything that we need to live in Christ. How many would agree by saying amen? So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Verse 15 through 19 is a special portion of scripture when you understand who's writing this scripture and what condition of life he has in the moment that he's writing. First Thessalonians 515 through 19 out of the New Living Translation, this is what it reads. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to, to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then in verse 19, he says something pretty powerful, because most would stop at verse 18. But he says something that we need to acknowledge and focus on this morning. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, in this time, in this season of life, we need you more now than ever. We know that we have been graced by your sacrifice. Your son was given to redeem us from the darkness and the brokenness of our sin. And for that, we say thank you. We are thankful. Help us today to hear what you, Holy Spirit, want us to hear and to put into action in our lives. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your mercy on all of our lives and our families. Speak, Holy Spirit. We are listening in Jesus' name. And everyone said, can you give God maybe just one more big shout of praise in this room? So here's Paul the Apostle. 
when writing and encouraging the church in the New Testament, who is being led by the Holy Spirit to pen out the words that we just read and was revealed to us in this portion of Scripture. He says this once again, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I want to look at is when Paul says in verse 16, he says, always be joyful. Look at somebody and tell them, be joyful. Be joyful. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? But isn't everything easier said than done? Right? But he says, be joyful. And one of the things that I want you to hear this morning in point number one is that the joy of the Lord is portable. The joy of the Lord is portable. And I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that in just a minute. How is this even possible that Paul could write, be joyful? Don't pay back people with evil for evil. Why, why was he able to say that knowing that Paul was locked up in a prison while he was penning this out inspired by the Holy Spirit? In fact, when you look at Paul's life, you'll understand that the last four years of Paul's life you know, by all means, we're pretty miserable. He spent two years in prison in Caesarea, and he went on a ship to go to Rome to appear before Nero, who was known to be cruel to all Christians. And on the way, he was shipwrecked. He was stranded on an island. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He survived the winter there. He continued on to Rome and spent another two years in prison, awaiting trial to be executed. And during this two-year period of time... <laughs> He's locked up or chained up by a guard for 24 hours a day. He has absolutely no privacy. Every four hours, he gets a new guard. And in spite of these situations, Paul still has the ability and the capacity to write things like Philippians 4.4, where he says this. He says, be full of joy always because you belong to the Lord. And again, I say, be full of joy. Be full of joy. How is Paul the apostle able to go through what he goes through from worst, like out of the frying pan into the fire, like beaten constantly, thrown into dungeons, um, ridiculed, spat upon, uh, defamed, uh, persecuted, struck down, but we know that he wasn't destroyed as of yet. What was Paul's secret? How does he stay so positive in prison, seemingly soaring above his troubles and being full of joy in spite of the fact that probably everything that he desired to do didn't plan out the way that he planned it? And here's my point. I believe that you and I can be full of joy in all things because you don't belong to your sin any longer. You belong to a savior. I believe that you and I no longer belong to the darkness of our past, but you and I have a right to declare that we belong to Jesus. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? I'm no longer a slave to sin as, as the song says, I am a child 
of God. Come on, my heart no longer belongs to my past pain. My heart has been healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You no longer belong to your failed and toxic uh, past plans. You belong to a hope and a future that God has prepared for you. You no longer belong to divorce. You belong to a restored marriage. You no longer belong to that addiction. You belong to the freedom that Christ Jesus has made you free for. And that joy is portable. Can I talk to somebody here this morning? When you come to church, you get to experience joy, but joy doesn't have to stay in the church. You can go home with the joy. You can go to work with your joy. You can go mow the lawn with your joy. You can go do chores with the joy. Joy is portable. Why is it that we believe that I only feel joy in church on Sundays? Why, why is it that I only feel joy when I'm eating, you know, a good turkey? Why is it that I only feel joy when I'm having that, that kind of ice cream that I, that I really enjoy, right? Why, 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 can, why, why can I only feel joy when, when, when I receive gifts? Why, why can I only receive joy when I, I, I'm being affirmed? Why, but, but see, those, that's not joy. Those are... Things that happen to you moment to moment. And joy and happiness are two different things. And I think the church has got it a little bit twisted. um, Because joy is not something that happens to you. Joy is something that lives inside of you. Happiness happens from time to time. That's why they call it happiness. It happens here and there. And so many of us, we go looking for happiness in career. Some of us, we go looking for happiness in relationship. Some of us go looking for happiness in the gym. You can tell that I don't find any happiness in the gym whatsoever. My happiness is behind the grill. Come on, somebody. Uh, (laughs) But there's happiness that happens from time to time, and it's unsustainable, it's, it's like a drug that is unsustainable that we've bought into. But joy is different. Joy comes from the Father. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from having a relationship with Jesus, knowing that I'm not the, the person that I used to be. And thank God I'm, I'm, I'm not the person uh, before Christ. But, and, and, and thank God that God is doing a new thing. And I'm not arrived as of yet, but there's joy in the journey. There's, there's joy in the presence of God. There's joy in the presence of love. There's joy in the presence of believers. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? It's not because somebody bought you something you liked. It's not because you got the job you prayed for. It's not because you were able to buy the new car or got approved for the new house, although that happiness is there. It's because of Jesus who lives inside of you. And if God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that teaches me that wherever I am, the joy of the Lord is. Joy is portable. And I think Paul understood that. I think Paul understood that joy is portable. That's why he could be in a dungeon and writing these letters to the churches and encouraging them not to pay back evil for evil because they were doing evil to him. And yet he was like, man, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice 
because his joy was portable and the atmosphere did not change the joy that was inside of him. His circumstance did not change the joy that was inside of him. The problems and the affliction and, and, the, and the snakes that bit him and the ship that wrecked him and, and the people that were trying to kill him, they could not steal his joy. Because joy is a gift from God that comes with the presence of God. The Bible says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Some of you have been addicted to happiness. And I'm praying that you get set free from that addiction this morning. Because God wants you, live, wants you and I to live on the right fuel source that he's provided by way of his presence. And that fuel source is called joy. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking or mashed potatoes and gravy and coleslaw or turkey, but of righteousness, being right standing with God, peace, because we serve the Prince of Peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is where it comes from. Because I have that joy that's portable. I can walk into any circumstance. I can go through any situation in my life with my faith positioned to act and react in a way that pleases God and not my flesh. That brings me peace even in the midst of a storm. Do you know that you can go through a storm and still have the peace of God? Jesus taught us that on the Sea of Galilee when he was with the disciples, right? Storm comes. Disciples are freaking out. Jesus is sleeping. And they're like, we're going to drown. And Jesus is like, chill. That's the EV translation. Chill. And he gets up and he says, peace. And even nature responds to the voice of God. Why? Because joy was portable. Keep you right in the middle of the storm. And yet the peace of God reigned and ruled in the middle of that. I can go through what I go through and be reminded of what James wrote. In James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, when he says faith and endurance, it's a faith and endurance section. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, any kind, you fill in the blank of any kind, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Man, that's a good word from James this morning. You might be going through some stuff in this holiday season. Is it only me or does like family get tense around holiday seasons? Sometimes it gets a little tense around family, around holiday seasons, right? The people that you haven't seen for quite some time, they decide to show up on you, right? And you're like, hey, I didn't know you were coming with 30 people and a small salad. <laughs> Joy is <laughs> portable in that moment. We all have attitudes. Come on. We all have character flaws. We all have immaturities and understandings and life pains that we need to grow out of. 
Because God wants us to grow into the version of you that God created you for. So let it grow. Let it grow. But you're going to have to go through some stuff to let those things grow. I think each and every single one of us have things that are in our lives that God doesn't want in our lives any longer. And God will allow us to go through some stuff in life to purge us of some of the things that he doesn't want for our future selves. And so there are things that we have to grow out of, so there are things that we have to grow into. But we can't grow into the things that God wants to fill us with if we're full of other things. So my question to you this morning is, what are you full of today that God doesn't want in you any longer? Thank God we're all under construction. Thank God he's not done. Thank God he's still working on us. Thank God that he still loves us regardless. Thank God that he still shows us mercy and opportunities for endurance to grow so that we would be fully developed, complete, needing nothing but God to live a life filled with unspeakable joy. So joy is portable. You know, for for the marriages that might be in this house or watching online that are going through difficult seasons, you know, you can leave this service today with a different marriage, same spouse. Because joy is portable. You can bring joy into every circumstance and every situation. You don't have to leave it at church. You don't have to leave joy in worship service. You don't have to leave joy in the prayer meeting. You don't have to leave joy in the Bible. You don't have to leave joy in the, in the life groups or the connect groups. You don't have to leave joy at the service. You can take joy everywhere you are because wherever you are, he is. Second thing, I think what we need is heaven's unusual perspective. I think some of our perspectives are a little bit skewed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 says this, never stop praying. Look at somebody and tell them, don't stop praying. Keep praying. I love what Spurgeon said. He said, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. Come on, you want to live a life a lifestyle of thankfulness, of joyfulness, of gratefulness, then you got to pray. You got to pray. My pastor taught me a long time ago that if you don't pray, you don't have a relationship with God. You have a religion of God. Quote, and I love that she said this. Mother Teresa said this, prayer enlarges the heart until it's capable of containing God's gift of himself. Mm, That's so good. Everyone has to navigate difficult situations. But believe me this morning when I tell you, the way that you look at the problem is more important than the problem itself. Do you remember the 10 spies that were sent out to spy out the land? Right? 10 of them went out. Two of them came back. Man, it looks good. It's flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are massive. The pomegranates are massive. We can take the land. Two of them. Joshua and Caleb, eight of them came back with a different perspective. They're like, there's giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way that we could take this land. And based on those eight guys, they stayed out of it. But two of them had a different perspective. I read the story of a shoe company that went to a a remote island. And uh, they sent five guys Right? One guy came back and says, we need to open a shoe factory here. Nobody wears shoes. 
Nobody wears shoes. We need to open a shoe factory. The other, the, other eight, the other four came back and said, we can't open a shoe factory here. Nobody wears shoes. Nobody will ever buy them. Nobody will ever wear them. Why? Because it's a matter of perspective. It's the way that you view your circumstance or situation that determines the way that you navigate through that circumstance or situation. Do you know that um, a sailor or somebody who captains a boat, I don't know if there's anybody here that loves going out in, in, on a boat, but uh, we do that a lot in, in California. But you don't learn how to navigate a storm until you've navigated through a storm. That's what makes you a great captain. But if your boat sits in the harbor protected from the storm all the time, you'll never ever learn how to navigate a storm when it comes. And so is life. A lot of times we're going to have to navigate some really difficult storms. And what I love about God is that God never leaves us in the storm by ourselves. He always leads us and guides us through the storm. But it's navigating through that storm that helps us understand that we can navigate through storms. And the next time another storm comes, we'll be able to navigate through that storm as well. Because I don't fully rely on my own wisdom, on my own understanding. I fully rely on God. And if God is leading me and guiding me and directing me through the storm, how many know that we're all going to be okay? And so believe me this morning when I tell you the way that you look at a problem, it's much more important than the problem itself. Your perspective makes a difference. Prayer is what adjusts the lens on heaven's perspective over our problems. St. Augustine wrote this, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God's thirst that we may thirst for him. Paul makes this unusual declaration from an unusual perspective in Philippians 1.12. Now I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's locked up. He's in a dark place. He's gone through so much. And yet his perspective is, hey guys, it's going to be okay. What I'm going through right now It's only served to advance the gospel. Count it all joy. That's a different kind of perspective. Paul answered a concern of the Philippians. He wanted them to know that God's blessing and power were still with him, even though he was in prison. That he was not out of the will of God, but still engaged in this good fight of faith, and God was still working in him, And through him, regardless of the appearance of things. Does anybody remember in Acts chapter 16 when when Paul and Silas delivered a demon-possessed girl, right, from divination? They get beat down, stripped down, thrown into a deep dungeon, right? And at the midnight hour, they're, they're locked up. They're chained together. And what's their perspective? In that moment, in Acts chapter 16, while they were thrown into that dungeon, they could have said, man, this is horrible. I give up on ministry. I don't want to serve on dream teams anymore. They could have said, man, I don't want to be part of the worship team no more. This, this is too hard. I don't, I don't want to be a part of the pastoral staff. I don't want to be a part of the apostolic crew. I don't, I, I don't want to be a part of Word of Life anymore. Man, life is too hard. I did what was right, and I got thrown into prison. That's not what they did. What did they do? Could you imagine Paul and Silas in that dungeon, cold, dark, 
still swelling from the beatdown that they got from the people. And they're probably locked up in those chains and they probably looked at each other and they probably started because the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. I'm going to lift my voice in victory. Come on. And what happens? You know the story. The jail starts to shake. The doors fly open. And you know what I find miraculous? Is that the Bible says in verse 25 of Acts 16 about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. And all the prison doors flew open. Watch this. And everyone's chains came loose. Not just Paul's, not just Silas, but everybody in the prison. Their chains came off too because two men had a different perspective and the joy of the Lord was so portable that they could sing in the darkest of times, in the most difficult of times. They could lift up the name of Jesus and Jesus would respond with an earthquake that would fling open prison doors. Chains would be loose. Captives would be set free and everyone heard the gospel. Because they had a different perspective. What if you had a different perspective when you go through what you go through? Because I want you to hear that there are people that are watching your life right now. There are people that are examining your faith and your Christianity and going, are you real? Are, 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 you, are, are you a church attender, pretender, or contender? Which one are you? Because I've seen attenders. They come and go. I, I, I've seen pretenders. They're hypocrites. But I'm looking for some contenders of the faith. And if I could focus my perspective on those and see how they serve God, then maybe I'll believe in Jesus. I want you to know that there are people watching your life and you go through what you go through. And even though life is hard, and even though life is difficult, and even though life has thrown you some curveballs, you can sit there and praise God because your joy is portable. You've got a different perspective on life and say, regardless of what I go through, come what may, I serve the King of Kings, I serve the Lord of Lords, and I know I might not like what I'm going through, but he's gonna get me through it because I'm not alone. There's another one in the fire with me. I need to say this to somebody here this morning. Don't waste the pain of the process that you're going through. God is working some things out on your behalf. It doesn't feel good, I know. Trust me, I know. I was an addict for a long time. I was an alcoholic for a long time. I was a cocaine addict for a long time until I had an encounter with Jesus. And ever since I had that encounter with Jesus, my life has never been the same, and it's been 32 years. And I'm not here to tell you that life has been easy, but I'm here to tell you that it's been worth it all. 
because his joy followed me to an altar and has led me every day of my life into the wedding that I had, the beautiful wife, my beautiful children, my grandchildren, now my extended family, and the church that I'm so honored to lead, and a beautiful church like Word of Life that I get to preach at on this beautiful Sunday morning. His joy is portable. You need a different perspective. Paul says in Philippians 1.13, he says, For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Jesus. He acknowledges it. In Philippians 1.14, he says, And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He said, Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers on the outside are becoming even more radical because they see my perspective and my joy on the inside of difficult situations and problems. Paul's imprisonment gave the Christians around him who were not imprisoned greater confidence and boldness. They, they saw that, that Paul had a joy in the midst of horrible circumstances. They saw that God could still use Paul even though he was imprisoned. And we need to learn to live from that different perspective. And I love, I love what he writes to the Romans in Romans 8, 28. He sums it up by saying, and we know that in all things, say all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So our joy is portable. We need heaven's unusual perspective. And I'll just close with this. We need the right resource to draw from. Man, I messed up filling up my tank with gas. And it cost me dearly because I was distracted. Don't get so distracted by your problems that you go to the wrong source of fuel for your joy. There are some that are here, young single people. I I know that pursuing a relationship with God should be at the top of our priority list. But sometimes we get distracted and we'll give an eye or an ear to those that might say the things that you've been longing for and they'll distract you and pull you away into a toxic relationship and God doesn't want you distracted because there's no joy that comes from a relationship with a human being joy only comes from Jesus it only comes from Jesus but watch this When you enter into holy covenant, that joy, that same joy is now shared within the confines of covenant and holy matrimony. Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. What happens when the life that we built for ourselves crumbles? What happens when we find out that what makes us most happy or most people happy really can't be sustained by wealth, stature, or fame? What happens when everything we thought we wanted out of life was just void and not really filled with any real depth or worth? What happens when we start chasing happiness and things that can't sustain happiness in us? What happens is that we crash and burn. That's what happens. But thank God. For his mercy and his grace. 
In his presence, there's fullness of joy. True joy transcends the right choices that we make and the circumstances we encounter. Joy in all of its fullness can only be found in that which remains constant and unchanging. God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's our source of joy. In the presence of God, there's liberty of sin. Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If I could, for just a moment, have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Holy Spirit. Nobody looking around, nobody talking. For just a moment. I want you to know that there's peace for the chaos that you're navigating through. Psalms 23, 1 and 2 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. There's peace in the presence of God. And maybe you're here right now or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, for the last 32 years, I've laid down my life for a king who rescued me out of the darkness of my addiction, the brokenness of my despair, and filled my life with hope and a future that I get to live every single day of my life in the fruitfulness of the joy that he provides. And maybe you're here today and darkness is just all around you. Anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts, addictions and brokenness, toxic thoughts and ideas. And God says, I never created you to live in that realm I created you to live in my presence I created you to worship me and if that's you and you're here this morning and you would be honest and say you know what Pastor Eddie I need Jesus I want to experience that kind of joy I want to live in that kind of joy if that's you and you say I want a new life today starting with today I, I want this new life would you raise your hand and say, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. For those of you that are watching online, if that's you, maybe you could message the online team and let them know that you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but right where you're at, if you raised your hand and you mean that with all your heart, with all your life, I would be honored to pray with you. If that's you, would you stand to your feet? You raised your hand and you said, you know what? I want Jesus. I want salvation. I want new life. That's me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Who else? You raised your hand. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you. Would you stand to your feet and say thank you? Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I come before you in all my brokenness, laying down my life before you, asking you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Save me. In Jesus' name.
I believe that you died and resurrected from the grave for me. And for that, I thank you. I am grateful. I receive the gift of salvation with the fullness of joy that only you can provide. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to welcome you to the family of God. And I just want to say thank you for allowing me to minister to you this morning. I pray that God blesses you. I pray that, I pray that God continues to fill you with the fullness of joy that's portable and that not only takes you from this service to the next, but from this service to the next year and this service to the day that Jesus calls his bride back home. Can we give God maybe another big shot of praise? Word of life, we love you. Thank you for having me this morning.